Coffeehouse Shots is sponsored by Crux, one of the world's leading boutique asset management firms specialising in Asian, European and UK investments. We invest in the long term and our dedicated team of investment professionals have decades of fund management experience between them. Visit cruxam.com for more information. And welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Katie Balls. Well, we've had a dramatic result overnight in the North Shropshire by-election. Not only have the Lib Dems managed to take the seat from the Conservatives, they've managed to overturn a majority of nearly 23,000 votes and get their own majority of nearly 6,000 votes. Helen Morgan, the victorious Liberal Democrat candidate, thanked Labour voters for voting tactically. Here's what she said. And let me say specifically to all those Labour supporters who lent their votes today, thank you. You have shown tonight that together we can defeat the Conservatives, not with deals behind closed doors, but with common sense at the ballot box. Katie Balls, how serious is this for Boris Johnson? I think it ultimately caps off a really bad four weeks, just over a month now for Boris Johnson, that began really with the Owen Patterson sleaze scandal and clearly this by-election only came to happen because of that sleaze scandal. The fact that number 10 ultimately came up with a botched attempt to rewrite standard rules to spare Owen Patterson from a recommended suspension over lobbying breach and also in the process change standards for MPs going forward. That failed, but... After that event, you saw Boris Johnson start to lose a lot of goodwill with his own MPs and lots of questions over the Downing Street operation. And generally, since then, we've seen public support for the Conservatives fall and also Boris Johnson's own approval ratings. Now, there have been so many things that have happened in the past four weeks. I think it's hard to say it was just the Patterson row, but we wouldn't be having this by-election without it. And I think that when you look at this, if you look at the swing, you have John Curtis, the polling expert today, suggesting, you know, this is a political earthquake. I think 8.5 on the Richter scale is how he put it. It clearly is going to raise lots of questions for Tory MPs. I think a lot of them are already very unhappy with Boris Johnson and the direction of travel at the moment. This is going to confirm that. This is going to exacerbate um, tensions that are already there. And I think that if you look at it, there were nerves in Tory CHQ as, uh, as soon as this by-election was called. But I think as tends to happen with by-elections, and as you've heard on these podcasts previously, you always take a bit of a pinch of salt. The Tories saying it's going to be really difficult and the Lib Dems talking it up because the Lib Dems clearly wanted to show they were the anti-Tory vote, so they don't vote for Labour. And the Tories were, did manage to downplay expectations to the point that I think had they held this by a thousand, people would have said it was a big success for Boris Johnson, which again seemed mad given how big the majority is. So the fact that not only have the Lib Dems won this seat, but they have done so with votes to spare over 5,000 majority, I think is going to cause concern, particularly if you think about Chesham and Amersham, which is another by-election. Um, that was a majority around 16,000 that the Lib Dems took from the Tories. There are around 50 Tory MPs and Lib Dem facing marginals. If North Shropshire can go, they're going to all start thinking their seat could go unless something changes. Fraser, do you agree that things are very, very serious for Boris Johnson now? Oh, yes, they are. I mean, when you look at the swing here, this is one of the biggest swings in by-election history. This isn't just a loss for the Tories. This is um, a, a, a massive indicator of more political trends 
underway. If you look at the opinion polls right now, Boris Johnson is now less popular than any prime minister at this stage since John Major after Black Wednesday. For a similar by-election result, you've got to go back to 1993 when the, um, when the Lib Dems took Christchurch from the Tories. Now, that didn't um, presage the Lib Dem surge. It presaged a Tory defeat in 1997. So I think if you um, combine this with Amersham and Chesham, you've got you know a Brexit voting seat that has been Tory for almost 200 years is now seeing the Tory vote collapse from 60% to 30%. And as James Forsyth argues in his Times column today, the Tories turning against him are his former loyalists. Now, when your base is leading the rebellion, you've got a major problem, which he now does. It's harder, far harder for him to say, stick with me because I'm a winner. Looking at the by-election result today, he looks anything but a winner. I think Fraser's exactly right there, ultimately. And again, as James pointed out in the podcast yesterday... We say it a lot, but it is a transactional relationship when it comes to the party and Boris Johnson. And ultimately, up until now, I think that Tory MPs, while they have complained and grumbled about certain measures, they have been more willing to go along with things like tax rises, policies they don't think are particularly conservative, because they have had faith that Boris Johnson is an election winner and he understands the mood and he has a strategy. And I think that speaking to both Lib Dem and Tories who have been out canvassing in North Shropshire, yes, there were some local issues. I think there were issues in terms of the ambulance service. That was a big issue that kept coming up. Also, the Tory candidate wasn't seen as sufficiently local. But ultimately, you only had to speak to a couple of people on both sides. And Boris Johnson kept coming up. And it wasn't Boris Johnson actually even directly in relation to Owen Paterson, which I think many would have thought in Owen Paterson's former seat, the Paterson row would be the most alive thing. Initially, it seems that it was the Peppa Pig speech. So Boris Johnson's rambling speech to the CBI, where he lost his place and then started waxing lyrical about Peppa Pig world. That was coming up a lot. People were saying, you know, he's just not serious. He doesn't take his job seriously. And you were hearing that from both sides, which is why you take it a bit more seriously. And then I think moving to most recent weeks, clearly you had party gates, so questions over alleged parties that happened in Downing Street in breach of COVID rules. And that was seen as a point that was going to swing. I don't think this can be put just on those parties. Um, I think that there was concern about the seat really since this by-election was first called. But the issue for the Prime Minister is most of these rows come back directly to him. They are all things related to Downing Street or his performance. And therefore, I am starting to hear more Tory MPs saying he is an issue on the doorstep. And that is a problem for a Prime Minister who is ultimately there because he is seen as the election winner. Fraser, this is a real problem, isn't it? Because you can change your staff, you can change your policies. But ultimately, if the common denominator in all of these crises is Boris Johnson, what are you going to do? Well, I don't think that even the Tories would answer that question by saying, OK, it's time to get rid of him. Let's remember when Theresa May literally lost her whole party's majority. This wasn't just a by-election. It was clear to everybody that she had to go, but it wasn't clear who was going to succeed her. So the Tories waited. I think there can be a long interregnum between the party deciding that a prime minister is no use and will have to go before the next election, and those same Tories agreeing that it's the right time for a leadership contest. Now, right now, you will not struggle to find people saying that Boris Johnson is, is no use. Well, the vaccine passports vote last week, I think, was calamitous and a real turning point for him as a leader because he alienated his base with that vote. Now he's alienated his base and galvanised his enemies. So there is no shortage 
of people out there saying that Boris Johnson is no longer fit to be leader. But what you don't hear, you really don't hear, is anybody saying, oh, I think Liz Truss is the, what the nation needs right now, or Rishi Sunak is the only guy who can win the northern constituencies back for the Tories. Also, when you listen to the critics, there's a big mixture of the Remainers who always hated Boris Johnson, the Brexiteers like John Redwood, who thinks he isn't going far enough with Brexit. These guys are not going to agree on what comes next. And for as long as there is that disagreement, for as long as the, the opponents of Boris Johnson are split, then he is safe as Prime Minister. And by the way, not forever, but certainly I don't think he'll be going in the next couple of weeks until they can answer the question, who stands a better chance of winning us for next election? then Boris Johnson stays in number 10. And as Fraser touches on there, I think what's interesting is we're already seeing a, a blame game playing out publicly about this result. You have had John Redwood, the Tory MP, take to social media and say, now is the time for Boris Johnson to start listening to real Conservatives, highlighting this idea of uh, high tax economy being a factor, also raising questions about the environmental policy of the Conservative Party. We've also seen um, Roger Gale suggesting on the Today programme, that, you know, Boris Johnson has one more chance and he's out. Um, I don't think that person is a huge fan of Boris Johnson. So obviously take that with a little bit of a pinch of salt. But the fact that you have Charles Walker of the 1922 committee coming out and actually saying now is not the time for a leadership contest, which he has done this morning, I think points to the fact it is very um, live right now. And if you're saying actually everyone just needs to calm down, have this break over Christmas and then come back and see how things really are. But it does point to level anger. I think if you're listening to what Boris allies are still saying, of which there are a few, I think one of the things they are pointing to is the fact that Lib Dems came first and Labour came third. In the 2019 election, Labour was second. And I think the hope in a way amongst uh, senior Tories was the way they might hold on to this seat is the vote split between Labour and Lib Dems because no one would quite know who to go to. That didn't happen, but I think there's still an argument going around which is ultimately Keir Starmer to win needs to be getting seats where Labour is second and he hasn't done that here. But given a hung parliament would be much easier for Labour in terms of coalition partners or supply and confidence partners than the Tories. Um, I don't think it's the greatest comfort to people right now. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening.